thank you for joining us on the CFF podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. You may have a seat. Welcome home. If you are here for the first time, uh, we hope that um, you feel right, right at home. Um, I would not say that we hope you feel comfortable because I hope you don't. Because uh, comfort is not your best friend, right? Uh, change is not what happens in our lives. Change is part of our lives, is our life. We always change. We have to change. If we don't change, it's because we're dead. If you're not changing, if you're not growing spiritually, it's because you're already spiritually dead. Some people's spiritual life has fizzled out. I went to a Christian university called APU. And just because there's a lot of Christians there, it doesn't mean that everybody's on fire. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of ashes where there should be fire. There's a lot of ashes where there should be fire. This church must be a church on fire. This church must be a church on fire. We have to have fire in our hearts. Listen, if you are not on fire, it's because the gospel you're receiving has been watered down. You're being fizzled out. The gospel, according to Jesus Christ, should set your heart and your life on fire. If it's not doing that, it's been watered down. It's not doing what it should be doing. You see, fire has certain properties. One of those is purification. Fire is purifying. I remember when I lived in Mexico, we had to boil our water. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Before you drink it, you'd have to boil it. And I'd always ask my mom, why do we have to boil the water? She said, because there's a lot of things that if we do not boil it, will make you sick. And I think it's exactly the same way. Some of us in this room desperately need the fire of God in order to purify certain areas that are making you sick. Some areas that are not only making you sick, but your entire family. Some attitudes need to be purified. Amen. Or, oh man, what did I get myself into? Like I said, if you're comfortable, then you're not following Jesus. Jesus' road leads to the cross. If you're not going there, if you're not going to the cross, if you're not getting closer towards that, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're not following Jesus. You're following, following an American version of a Jewish Jesus. You're following an American version of a Jewish Jesus. Jesus, the one, the Messiah, the real Jesus, I am sorry to tell you, but didn't come to give you happiness. He didn't come to give you, and I know it sounds weird, the American dream. It almost feels like contradictory to the gospel that you've received. Jesus didn't die so you could smile. Jesus died so you could die. And that sounds really bad. I know you're like, whoa, hold on a second. What kind of church did I get myself into? Seriously, because when you die to yourself, man, it is such a beautiful life. Then the worst mistakes you'll ever make are because you are at the center of them. Look, I was just thinking and praying really about last week's message. And, uh, you know, Ryan, I'm so, so blessed by your life. Where's Ryan at? So blessed by your life, man. That step of obedience, I know, is where everything Everything got unlocked. You see, the plan of God is already there, but it is your obedience that unlocked is what released that blessing to your life. God has so many, see, that check had been written, had been posted way, way before, before you decided to obey. Does that make sense? That, that, that ability to travel was already there. Listen, I wonder how many things in your life are just waiting on your obedience to be released. I'm asking, how many amazing things in your life are waiting for that, that, that password of simple obedience so that it can be released onto your life? Am I making sense? Sometimes we, our lives, have been so watered down. We're not on fire. We're, we're quiet. We're, you know, uh, I think it was Thoreau that said we live in you know, lives of quiet desperation. Not me. I am not quiet. <laughs> I'm desperate, yeah. I'm desperate for God. I want the Lord. This guy named Jean Cocteau, he's a, a French writer. He, his house was like, you know, um, oh no, actually his house wasn't burning. He was being interviewed. And they asked him, Mr. Cocteau, what do you value in life? What would you take if your whole house was burning down? You know, if your house was just all on fire, what would you take from it? You know what John Cocteau said? He said, I would take the fire. I'm like, mm-mm-mm, mm-mm. Right, that sounds pretty smart. Well, if you take the fire, then the house doesn't burn down. That's not what he meant. He knew that he valued passion over possessions. 
passion over possessions. I'm asking you seriously. It's a genuine question. What do you value? What are you chasing? What are you after? I am so passionate today about God. I love Him so much. But I cannot think for just one moment that yesterday's bread is tomorrow's nourishment. Just because today I'm on fire. Just because today I'm on fire doesn't mean that tomorrow I'll be blazing as well. Man, today is today. Tomorrow, tomorrow. You have to keep feeding the fire. If you're not feeding the fire, you're fighting it. If you're not feeding the fire, you're fighting it. Listen, some of you were on fire at some point in your lives. I can go microphone with a mic and just ask you piece by piece, one by one. When was your best time with the Lord? Oh, when I came back to Encounter, that Saturday night at Encounter. Man, that was awesome. Or maybe when I went, gave my life to Jesus, I was only 14 years old, but I knew God was real. Maybe that time when God did that miracle, or maybe that time where somebody passed away, and I knew that God was with me. Through the worst times of my life, God is there. Listen, there's moments in your life, but what happens to that fire? My question is, who's the firefighter? Who's fighting your fires? Am I making sense? Who's fighting the fire? Listen, this is going to be, this is not an easy thing to say for me. And I know it won't be an easy thing for, here, for you to hear, but I have to tell you. We are all going to burn. The question is when and how. I choose to burn now for the Lord than one day in hell. Does that make sense? Sometimes, give God a shout of praise if you believe it. Sometimes, sometimes we live as though we were not combustible. We live as though we were not combustible, as though somehow, some way, I'm meant to live always and forever. And I'm not, nothing ever is, is going to happen to me. Listen, I'm telling you right now, all of us in here are combustible. We will all day, one day burn. I choose to burn in the fire of God than in the fire of hell. And some of you know what I'm talking. You don't have to wait to die to live in hell. Some people live in hell now. I've talked to couples, they say, man, my, my house is hell. I've talked to children that they say, man, you don't want to go to my house. It's a living hell. I've talked to people that they say, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm going through hell. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to be in hell. The, the answer is so simple. Just move. Choose another atmosphere. Another atmosphere. We live in prisons. Cold, shivering prisons. Those prisons that we have, today you have to have a prison break. You guys remember that show, Prison Break? It's one of the great shows, right? I don't, I don't like to advertise shows or movies except Gladiator, which is awesome. You know, but man, and, uh, and The Passion, of course. Right, but man, pis, Prison Break was awesome. You know why? Because this dude, Schofield. Yeah, Schofield look, you know what I mean? Like, this guy could get out of anything, and like, he was, he knew how to do bombs, he knew how to like, you know, he knew how to build tractors out of paper clips, like, he could do anything, like anything, you know, this guy was amazing, he put a whole tattoo all over his body, that was like the blueprint for the prison, it was crazy, this guy was like nuts, right? But this guy broke out of prison how many times? How many seasons was there? Yeah, they, six, right? Which one? Do you know that the seven was going to be called Prison Break El Chapo? <laughs> Just kidding. Like he broke out of prison more than El Chapo. This guy was so amazing, Michael Schofield. And I realized at some point, I was like, how many times can you possibly break out of prison? And so Eunia and I lost interest by like the fifth time he broke out of prison, right? But one thing I've realized this is that as many times as it takes, you have to break out of prison. You have so many prisons and you don't even realize I've been in prison so much but I've been set free there are some things I'd like to share with you and these are the prisons that enslave us that hold us back so that we do not fulfill the purpose of God in our lives I'm not talking about money like I told you this is not possessions this is the passion of God and if your passion leads you to the top financially then you'll be passionate and burning for Jesus right up there but if my passion for Jesus leads me to dirt poor, hungry, nothing else, not even my family, then I will burn for Jesus without my family and poor and dirty. It doesn't matter because I want to burn for Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel didn't come to make you comfortable. It came to make you free. Does that make sense? It never was never meant to be a comfort message or a healing message. Yes, the message heals you. 
But the genuine healing comes when your body's being sanctified and no more pain and no more sorrow will ever happen again. I can tell a man without an arm, welcome to heaven one day because our arm will be there. Does that make sense to you and I? We expect miracles. The greatest miracles that could ever happen in your life is the fire of God burning in your soul. That is the greatest miracle you could ever witness. I am telling you this. Because I've seen God do incredible miracles, physical miracles, things that I'm like, no way. Like only in Africa. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. Like here in the U.S., God does incredible things. I've experienced them in my own body, in my own life, in my own family. The Lord has done incredible things. But the greatest miracle of all is when I see a man or a woman catch on fire for Jesus, surrender their lives. Jared, where are you? Jared, did I do my thing today? Jared anointing I know okay okay fine he has an excuse his wife had surgery blah 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 okay <laughs> just kidding I love you Jared um but anyway but uh, this guy right we I had this business back then and this 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 one guy his name was Jose used to work for us you know he saw Jared when he came into the shop and he wasn't Christian Jared didn't know the Lord at all he used to race cars he looked all crazy he had literally had a velvet suit Imagine that. He had goatee, no hair, cigarette marks in his arms. He, I don't know if he was like, I don't know what he was. It was just crazy. His, his car looked like a moving club. His, tinted, his tint was yellow. He had PlayStation. Like a, I think he even had like a, a, what do you call that? Like a, like a yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name was Digit Digits, I think, or something like that. I'm not even playing. But I remember when, when he gave his life to Jesus, man. He came into my shop later on, and like another day, you know, down the road, it took me two years to share the gospel with him. No, I shared with him the gospel for two years. He rejected me for two years, but finally he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Jose, when he saw him after Jesus, he began to weep, and he just started crying and crying. And I'm like, what happened, dude? Did, did he just receive a phone call? And so I went up to Jose. I said, Jose, estás bien? Are you okay? He just would look at me, and he'd look down again. I look at me and look down. I'm like, what's wrong, Jose? He said, that man is so different. What happened? He's, he's like, man, the things that God can do. I was looking at him like, I need, wow. Yeah, I, I got used to seeing. You could never get too used to seeing the life transformed. Do you know what I'm saying? This guy was so moved by how much Jared had changed, how humble he'd become, how kind he had been. I'm like, that is a miracle right there. You see, it takes a miracle, a miracle to turn rock into flesh. Some of the hearts in this place will experience a miracle today. Amen? First thing that we need to break out of. Are you guys good or what? You guys ready? All right, cool, cool. Why don't we give Jesus one more round of applause because praise God. So I'm going to tell you how to start the G12 vision in your life. Now, how do you go from this to that? Well, this is simple. You see, to me, the G12 vision is not something that came out of Colombia. It came out of the heart of God. Some of you guys have no idea what the G12 vision is. You're going to go look for it online. And the worst thing you can do is look at internet for what is the G12 vision. Let me tell you why. Because some people have done this G12 vision one way and they stunk up the field for the rest of us to do it. Like it is such an incredible thing. You're like, wait, pastor, wait, everything was going so well. I brought a new friend. It was kind of crazy. It was okay. And then you said something about G12. It's all going down the drain. No, 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 no. This is simple. When Jesus came to this world, he came and he, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Okay. He came to look for those people that desperately needed him. Not the good ones. The broken, the sick, the sinners like myself. He said, I didn't come to those that didn't need a physician. I came to those that need a physician. They need a doctor. So I came to those. The other ones, they think they got it on their own. So Jesus came to do that. But you know, Jesus was so incredibly smart, incredible, that he had a strategy. And his strategy wasn't to buy better sound equipment, better lighting, you know, more guitars, you know, this awesome fish tank looking thing. You know, Jesus didn't even, honestly, he didn't even wear the, the latest, maybe he did, I don't know if he, he wore like, you know, what kind of robe he wore, you know, or, or, you know, I don't know what kind of hairstyle he had. I don't know if he, imagine Jesus in a man bun, you know. I don't know what he had or, or I don't know if his donkey had like, you know, <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he was like, but all I know is this. You know, there's not enough detail in the Bible. Like I tell you, it's not, it's not thick enough. One thing I do know for sure is that Jesus had 12 disciples. And he decided to do his thing, and he did it very specifically. So much so that when one of them fell out, actually betrayed him, the other 11 knew that they had to replace him. They said, nah, this cannot go on. We have to find the 12. It was important to Jesus. It was important to his disciples. It's really important to me. 
So Jesus decided to come and disciple 12 people. Right? He found 12 people and he said, you, come and follow me. And they said, yes, sir. They left everything behind to follow Jesus Christ. Now, there's some background to that. I won't have time to get into it. One day, if you stick around, you will find out why those three words, come and well, follow me. Four or five words. Well, come and ven y sígueme. Three in Spanish. Come and follow me. Those four words are so powerful. Right? Like I said, today we won't be able to develop that. But these words were so shocking to these people. They're like, yes, sir, I'll go with you. And these 12 people... Stuck close to Christ, he poured his life into them through thick and through thin. Peter's denial, Thomas' lack of faith, fear in the storm, anger, jealousy. Through all of it, Jesus stuck with them. He believed in them. He believed that the answer to the world was in these people's lives. And so he poured his life on these men. And that became the church. That's church. You didn't know church didn't even have a building back then. Church was these dudes right here. That's all church was. It was, you know, they had maybe beards, maybe stunk. You know, church was pretty much the way church looks like today. There was a Mary, there was a Martha. That was church. That is church. Church was not this. Church was that. And so Jesus decided that he would do it not to the multitudes. The multitudes were interested. Yes, man. But the others, the disciples, they were hungry. They wanted more of the living bread. They wanted more of the bread of life, the living water. They desired more. I wonder today if anyone in here even knows that the way to genuine commitment to Jesus is not by going to church, but by doing what God called us to do. I know that if your Christianity is watered down, you will fizzle. I've seen it happen. Matter of fact, I've been guilty to preach that watered down message once or twice. And I couldn't live with it. I am not going to do that in 2018. I don't think I did 2017, but I sure as heaven won't do it in 18. Listen, the gospel is very clear. The gospel doesn't end with Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. The Bible actually ends with, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo and behold, I'll be with you until the end of the world. That is the way the gospel ends. It does not end with, there's no applause at the end. There's a command. That means it hasn't ended. You are now the continuation of Jesus' commandment. And so here's how we do it. We have to first break out of prison if we're going to show somebody else how to get out of it. We cannot possibly believe that we can show somebody the way to be free if we ourselves are not even fighting for our freedom. If we love our prisons, how could other people expect freedom to come from someone who doesn't just live in it, but loves it? Now you say, okay, pastor, hold on a second. I don't love my prisons, really. Whatever you tolerate, you give permission to stay. Whatever you tolerate, you're giving permission to stay. You know, I've learned my lesson one time. Back in the day, this couple was fighting, and uh, she called me because, um, you know, uh, they were getting in, like, a physical dispute in their home. And so I showed up, and, uh, and things got a little physical. And, uh, and uh, pretty soon, you know, I was trying to pin down this dude. This girl was going crazy. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the screaming turned towards me. And I was like, hold on a second. Wait a minute. How did I end up two against one? Like, I came here to help you out, and now, like, you're screaming at me, trying to call the cops. What, what the heck happened? I've realized this. This woman loved her prison. She, she couldn't get out of it. She was so wrapped in it that anything that threatened it, she was going to defend it, even if it meant that she would continue to be punished. And so I decided when those things happen, I'm not going to get in between unless both agree they want to come out. Or at least one is dead sure for sure that they're willing to forsake it. And I'm not saying that it's her fault by any means because there's a, a lot of mindsets, a lot of fear that goes into it. A whole lot of years perhaps of, of just destroying a self-esteem of a person. But let me tell you this. Whatever you tolerate, you're given permission to stay. Some of you in here, there are areas in your life that you've been so tolerant towards. And you're given them permission to stay. It's time to break free. It's time to break free. The first thing, come on, give God a shout of praise. Why not? Take it to the gun show. 
more like Toys R Us, but oh well. <laughs> All right, so we will, uh, the first thing that we have to uh, change, the first thing we have to do if we want to actually develop the vision in our lives, which it, in my view is breaking prisons. You have to break out of prisons. In the coming year or so, you're going to see your life change. But you won't see your life change unless your mind changes. Your mind has to change. You cannot live the same way in 2018 as you did in 2017. Expect 2018 to be different, to be different than 17. Right? They say that's the definition of craziness, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. The first thing that needs to happen is you need to become a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermostat, not a thermometer. To be the hammer and not the nail. My coach used to say that everybody in the field is either a hammer or a nail. And so when I used to play football, my coach would always tell me, you're either the prey or the predator. And I'm like, I don't want to be the prey. I want to be the predator. And so I knew that that transferred into my Christian life. Let me ask you, are you the hammer or are you the nail? Are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? Do you read the temperature only and adjust to it? Or do you change the atmosphere? Do you change the atmosphere? Are you someone who changes the atmosphere? Listen, if you're not building the atmosphere of this church, you're destroying it. Come on, it's time to change. It's time to change. We said it would be formation. This is formational. You either build the atmosphere in your home or you destroy it. By you being there, your home should be better. Your man, by you being there, the fact that you live there, there should be a different atmosphere. Look, what you pay for in restaurants is not the food. Seldomly do you pay for food. You pay for atmosphere. Atmosphere. You know what? I'm telling you this. In some places, they'll treat you so much better than in other places because you pay a lot more. I know when I go to Colombia, the service is actually pretty horrible. The food is amazing, but the service is not that good. I say, can I have my, my crepes with, without Nutella? No, they come with Nutella. I know how crepes are made, and they're not made with Nutella. Can you put the Nutella on the side? No, I'm sorry, sir. I'm not going to do that. I'm not playing. I was like, but I want my Nutella on the side because I'm an American, darn I got rights. You know, and the lady, would you believe me? They did not. They refused. I know, the, the nerve. They ref I was like, I'm paying for it. I said, okay, fine. Give me just a crepe, okay? And then I'm going to buy Nutella on the side. No, we can't do that. I'm about to get crazy up here. I was like, are you kidding me? I was I'm not playing. I wanted to leave the restaurant. And then I remembered I was saved. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to give good testimony. You know, I was okay. So I'll eat my crepe with the Nutella inside instead of the way I like it. And so I realized this, like, man, this, this is not what I'm paying for. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't even want to leave a tip. You don't want to do that. You know, when you, when you are at a restaurant, a really nice restaurant. I remember I like taking Eoni to this particular Brazilian restaurant. And uh, they come and they have this little thing that they like go like that to the table with. And they take all the crumbs out. It's not one time before you sit down. It's as you eat. So if there's crumbs, they go. And they take it out. I'm like, oh. Can I have some more? They're already pouring it. The environment. It's not too cold. It's good. There's music playing when we go usually. Right? I'm telling you, the smell is right. The view is beautiful. You know what I'm saying? We pay for that. Did you know you pay for atmosphere? You pay for that. Now, when I go to Duarte Pizza Company, I'm just paying for a slice of pizza. There's no atmosphere there. That's why I don't take Eoni on a Friday night date, right, or a Monday night date to Duarte Pizza Company unless we broke. <laughs> In that case, we go back to our apartment, set the atmosphere. What do you think? What do you think? Listen, listen to this. I'm telling you, it will set you free. It's, it's going to set you free. What is the atmosphere in your life conducive towards? What is the atmosphere in your life conducive towards? Meaning, what is it brewing? What is it doing? What is that atmosphere creating in your life? What kind of atmosphere do you have? Do you have an atmosphere of defeat? Do you have an atmosphere of failure? An atmosphere of sadness? Do you have an atmosphere where nothing can grow? Nothing can grow but death. Yeah, what kind of atmosphere do you have in your own spiritual life? What kind of atmosphere have you created? You are a thermostat, so change the atmosphere. 
Some people just gauge their life's atmosphere. They do nothing to change it. All they do is, uh -huh, it's too cold, it's too cold, it's 60 degrees. It's like a little whiny thermostat, 40 degrees, oh my gosh, it's so cold. Versus thermostatic attitude, say, you know what, it's cold. I'm going to raise the temperature just a little bit more because I know that some things only grow in the heat. Does that make sense? What kind of atmosphere do you have in your own life? Now, I'll tell you how a good atmosphere for growth looks like. An atmosphere for growth is an atmosphere where there's challenge, constant challenge. You are being confronted with the status quo. I love my beautiful wife because she refuses to see me stay whack. That's a literal English word, whack. Do you guys use that anymore? Or is that back in my day? Oh, that's whack. All right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I know. Does it come from guacamole? Maybe, right? I know Eoni refuses to see me stay weak sauce. Like, she'll, I'll say something, and if I don't do it, she will call me out on it until my teeth hurt from going, Argh. But you know what? Guess what happens? I change. I change. You know, when our pastors tell us something, they don't chase after us. Please do it. Please do it. Please do it. If you don't do it, it's on you. You know what happens? Your lack of responsibility will punish you. And it is so harsh. Procrastination's food is poison. Listen, procrastination's food is poison. It'll give you something so nasty It'll kill your finances. Procrastination will kill your spiritual life. Procrastination will kill your relationships. You should have called, but it's, it's I still got time. Man, I should have called him, but it's, I still got time. And then it's late in the day. Ah, her birthday's still today. I still got time. Sorry for the late birthday two weeks later. You still got time. Procrastination. Look. I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell you a little story at the end, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. But for now, i got to tell you, first thing is atmosphere. What is your atmosphere like? I know that I've, I've, I've done some, um, some uh, jiu-jitsu, and I've done scuba diving. And i got to tell you this. You cannot wear a jiu-jitsu gi to go scuba diving. You can't. Jiu-jitsu gis are so heavy. When they get wet, they're like, Ugh. Anybody ever worn a gi, a jiu-jitsu gi? It is hard to manage. It is like, ooh, it's like thick cotton. It'll be so hard. One atmosphere requires a certain preparation. Another atmosphere requires other preparation, right? I cannot wear boxing gloves to go swimming. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't be smart, right? What are you setting your atmosphere for, and how are you preparing for it? So your atmosphere is the way you feel, the way you decide, the things you choose. And the preparation is the things that you're actually doing about it. Okay, so for example... I decided, I decided that 2018 will be a year of challenge. It'll be a year of favor, but man, favor for a reason. Not because I want favor, but I want favor to do his will. Please say amen. All right, amen. We're in the same page. I don't want favor so I could get more. I want favor so I could be more like him, so I can do his will in my family, with my children, in my church, with my friends. So that his will will be done, not mine, his as it is in heaven, here on earth, right in my life. I ask you seriously and genuinely, what are you doing? What is your atmosphere like? You know we all have atmospheres. We all have atmospheres. I know you can not believe in God or in this church or in the guy in red in the front of you. But you have an atmosphere that you've set before you. And that atmosphere will brew certain, certain things. And no one else will be blamed to blame but you. That atmosphere, you have chosen it. Oh, you don't know my life. I don't know your life. I, don't, I have no idea about some of your lives. But I've lived long enough and I've seen enough stories where some of the worst atmosphere man, has turned into reasons of praise. Man, they've turned into testimonies of the power and the love of God. And yet some other atmospheres have degraded in such a way that demons alone get praise for that. I'm telling you, your life has a certain atmosphere, and you're choosing that. You're choosing what atmosphere. Every day, the way you wake up, the way you live, the way you move sets an atmosphere. Did you know this morning? Honestly, seriously, this morning, I got up, and I saw my wife in the kitchen, and I was like, mm -mm -mm. I love you so much. 
You know what I was doing? Setting the atmosphere. Because I want my children to know that there's love in the house, that there's love at home. But you know, I had a choice to see my wife and to just walk right by her. Hey, you know where the, just grab stuff. No cereal, what? Are you kidding me? You know I like Cinnamon Toast Crunch? What? <laughs> kind of pro, what? You know? So, where's breakfast? Do you know what I'm saying? What kind of atmosphere am I setting? Let me put it like this in your spiritual walk. What did you do this morning besides check your phone? What did you do this morning besides check your phone? Did you set up an atmosphere where the Lord will feel comfortable and feel good at? Or did you set up an atmosphere where God will say, well, guess what? I thought I wasn't welcome, but now I'm sure. Or did you set up an atmosphere and say, God, you're so wanted here. You are welcome in this place. Matter of fact, it's yours. What would you like to do today with it? Let's do it together. May I join you, please? Amen. What are we doing? Are you comfortable yet? <laughs> Does that make sense? I'm not telling you something, by the way, that is not hard to reach or out of the... God gave you something. The Great Commission, what I just shared with you about winning the world for Jesus. It's commission for a reason. Because there's someone by your side doing it, and that's the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit power to be able to develop the Great Commission. Here's the thing. If you're not developing the Great Commission, it's just your own mission. You have developed your own version of the greatest mission there is on earth. And instead of going and seeking and save that which is lost, you're the one that God wants to seek and save. You have to choose. And I'm telling you, this is crazy. Crazy. I can't help you. Psychologists can't help you. Doctors can't help you. Preachers cannot help you. Churches can't help you. No one else can help you. God alone can help you. Do you know why? Do you know why God is the only one that can help you? I tell this always. People can't let me down because they don't hold me up. You can't let me down because you're not holding me up. Oh, pastor, pastor, you let me down. Yes. Finally, you're going to realize that I'm not the one holding you up. God is the one holding you up. I'm trying to help you. But man, so help me God, you'll learn this lesson. You know what? I, I know this, that my atmosphere depends on how much I chase after him. The first prison you have to break is the prison of your mindset. You have prison, imprisonment in your mind. All the ways of doing things. So I'm going to show you something simple. How do we expect people to change in this church? How do you adapt? How do you actually develop the G12 vision in your life? We're helping pastors, different people from different places, of different nationalities, different colors, different socioeconomical status. They are different ages, and this, the model is always the same. It works so well, so well when people do it, but it sucks when people don't do it. First thing you need to do is develop a devotional life. If you're not devoted to God, you won't be devoted to anything. That's a fact. Look, I know devotion, and when I see devotion, I think, Man, that person is awesome. Have you ever admired somebody for their devotion? I mean, how devoted they are to something. How committed they are. The, the, you know, the incredible odds. The, the people that beat those odds. And the people that seem like, man, there's nothing that, that, that indicated your victory. But you were so devoted, so committed. And you overcame. And you're like, oh. You know, those people are the kind of people that we love. We love to watch people that are devoted, that are committed. But you know when somebody just walks out, when somebody quits, taps out, leaves halfway, you know what I'm talking about? Those are the kind of people that you say, eh, I don't know about that. What kind of person are you? Are you the person that sticks it out no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on? You say, I'm going to be here for today, tomorrow, the next day. Lord, you'll find me here, right here. Tomorrow I'll see you here. How many times do we stand God up? Because God is waiting for you. So here's what I'd like to propose. First thing is that you develop a devotional life every single day. Otherwise, it's not a devotional life. It's just reading the Bible every once in a while whenever you feel like it. Let's call it that. A devotional life is a life of devotion. Matter of fact, you don't even have to have your Bible with you. You have a phone. Some people didn't even have Bibles or phones. They had toilet paper, and in it was written scripture. And they read it. They literally read it and smelled it at the same time. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're getting what I'm saying. I pray that you are. Chasing after God is a devotion thing. You choose every day. It doesn't get easier. As a matter of fact, it's going to get harder. If you do this, it will get harder. It's not going to get easier. 
The higher you go in your Christian walk, the harder it's going to get. It, it, it's the way it is. You think you figured something out, that's when it gets super hard. Because now you don't only have to battle your old character flaws, now you have to battle your pride. And it's double tangled. Man, it's, I'm telling you this, you have to today choose, I will be devoted. The second thing that we're going to have to develop is just showing up at church. Some of us are in here and you're like, Pastor, this is the first time I brought my friend. You're talking about commitment. Can you talk about blessings? Please talk about blessings. No, because blessings do not come without commitment. I mean, you can get lucky. You can get lucky. You can even get a miracle. But to be blessed? No, buddy, that comes with commitment. You see, oh, you can, like I said, you could have a one-night stand, spiritually speaking. But to get the real blessing comes with real commitment. You cannot have some things without commitment. Those are the better things in life. I promise you that. I promise you that. Oh, I can win a soccer game on Sunday, on Saturday. Man, but to win a World Cup, that takes commitment. Does that make sense? Sure, I can win a fight here and there. But man, to win the UFC title, that takes commitment. Does that make sense? Okay, okay, fine, fine. I can get married. Okay, anyone can get married, for real. There's some desperate folk out there. That's a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. People get married for tax purposes. People get married for paper. People get married for many reasons. Man, for whatever reasons. Yeah, yeah. Are you offering? I'm just kidding. No, no. People get married for so many reasons. Hey, look. But to develop a home, a family, to develop love, man, that is the good stuff. And that takes commitment. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I have a house, but you have a home. That takes commitment. I'm asking you, seriously, have you chose how committed you'll be and to whom? Well, to yourself? Okay, God, hope it goes well for you. Church is simple. It's there all the time, at the same time, every single week. You know, last time we changed the time was... No, even, even back, 7.30 is pretty consistent. And yet somehow, some way, people still say, is there service on Friday? <laughs> Last time I checked. <laughs> yes. You know what? If there isn't service on Friday, we'll let you know. I'm going to tell you one thing. Showing up at church is the laziest way to grow. It is so lazy. It's like... <laughs> For real, I've been praying on my knees, searching after God, reading scripture, going to conferences, trying to receive. So you can go. <laughs> That's it. It doesn't take anything else. And some of you are still like. I know, I know because I see it. I'm like. You know what I'm saying? It's a mess. And yet it's so lazy. And some people still have a hard time with like. That little stuff. And then they want God to do the big stuff. And you're like, God, like, really? You can't, you can't even chew, you can't even get the infimal through your throat. You want some steak. You know what I mean? Like, you really want Korean barbecue when you haven't gone through the transitions little bottle. Do you know what I'm saying? This is the truth. Show up. Show up at cell group. Oh, I was busy. Okay, because we weren't busy. I was busy. Okay, thank you so much. That's so offensive. You know, busy doesn't constitute video games. Busy doesn't constitute, listen, busy means I'm actually doing something productive. Otherwise, you're just wasting life. That's a fact. I know that because your priorities show the result of it all. My priorities in my life are not always straight. And when they're not, I regret it. I'm like, oh, I should have done that instead of this. My priorities were twisted. Instead of spending time with this person, I should have given it to all these people. But instead, my priorities were twisted. You know, my children will pay for the price for my twisted priorities. Did you know that your loved ones will pay for the price of your twisted priorities? Sometimes we say, I'm busy. And I, I realize one thing. You are busy for the things you don't give a rip about. But for the things you care about, you will make time. Last time that I... I wanted something so bad. Like, I remember one time, um, you know, I was going out with Eoni still. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. And I had a business. Man, I would not sleep. I'm telling you, there was so, nights, I'm not, gonna, I'm not lying, two, three nights in a row without sleep. Anybody has had their own business, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Man, or if you're going to college, you know what I'm talking about. You want to be out there partying, so you have to do all-nighters. Wow. That's the way it works. 
In this case, I wanted to go out with Elnie, and the only time we had, because obviously I wasn't going to bring her home at 4 in the morning, because I had respect for her parents, you know, Pastor, I realized this, and it was hard sometimes, we come a little late, and Nadia will be waiting for us outside like this. <laughs> you know what I mean, like bringing us blankets, yeah, right, you know what I mean, but like, but anyway, but you know, you know, it was super hard, because when you have, I had a ministry, business, you know, all these other things that were going on, but I wanted to make time with that girl, I really wanted to make time. I decided I would make her my priority and then my wife. And so, and so, and so I tell you with this simple, beautiful story. If you really want something, you'll make the time for it. You will make the time for it. I make time for my spiritual growth. I don't expect others to make it for me. Well, my family wants to hang out. Hang the freaking out with them on Monday or on Tuesday or on the other day. But you know when your church is. You know, the last time I checked, nobody changed anybody by adapting to them. Nobody ever changed someone by becoming just like them. Never. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to grow close and love somebody. But if you go and just become like everyone else, what's going to change? Absolutely nothing. If the, light, man, if, the light, if the salt loses its flavor, what is it good for but to be trampled? What is it good for? If you realize, man, your standards are set, people can see your life is the brand. It doesn't mean you become neglectful. You become more active in the way you pursue the people that you love. You become real about that love. Does that make sense? Amen? Oh, man. Okay, I get it. All right. So, devotional Sunday, cell group, last one. That's the last one. I'll finish with this, I promise, before the, the church empties. It's discipleship. Get discipled. Get discipled. Get discipled we don't even know sometimes what discipleship is until it smacks you in the face and you're like that's discipleship right you're like what is this i know you're right i don't like it but i love it that's the definition of discipleship i know you're right i don't like it but i love it like i know this is growing me because i can feel the spiritual emotional stretch marks i feel challenged but at the same time at the same time it's so hard. Discipleship, discipleship is not just an option in the menu of Christians. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. And he is so right. If you're not getting discipled, I'm telling you this, you're deluded. Everyone's getting discipled. The question is, who's discipling you? Is it the suckiest, most weak sauce version of a Christ follower if you've ever met? Or is it someone that actually runs with Jesus and is able to pay and pay the price? I'm asking you, who is discipling you? It doesn't even have to be us. I'm telling you this for real, but find someone. Well, I don't need discipleship. All right, Peter. Because even Peter needed discipleship. All right, okay, Paul. Because even Paul needed discipleship. His name was Gamaliel, the man that formed him. Well, Moses didn't. Your name's not Moses. Your name's not Moses. He heard from the Lord directly. And even he had Jethro that led him and told him, you got to get your 12, bro. Find your 12 from the tribes of Israel. Choose leaders for yourself. Listen, all of us in this place, we need discipleship. If you really want to grow, you got to get under someone. This is the reason. Even Albert Einstein said, if I've been able to see far or as far as I've been able to see, it's only because I've been able to stand on the shoulders of giants. We all desperately need to be discipled. People in this place are so flawed. I am so flawed. But the beauty of discipleship is that the person that leads you doesn't have to be perfect. They just have to have a perfect God. And if they have a perfect God and they have a heart towards you that loves you and you allow the input in your life, it will bless you so much. I don't see how people that are married are married and they live in a bubble, seclusion. No one speaks to them. It's hard enough without it. Man, get discipled. I don't see how someone who struggles with their sexuality does it without somebody helping them. Holy crap, it is so hard. I'm telling you this, it is so hard to live a pure life. How do you do it without discipleship? How do you do it without accountability? How do you actually, I mean, I guess the answer is I don't. I don't do it. I just get smacked around and, and then I feel bad about it. I feel used and abused. And then later on I feel like I can't draw close to God. I know no one said amen for that reason, but I know it's real. For some of you in here need accountability. You need somebody who will love you enough to say, hey, bro, 
that's going to hurt your wife one day. Hey, that's going to destroy your children one day. It's going to destroy your life. Let's change that so we could change the world together. Please give God a shout of praise. Amen? So let me finish like this. Your pastor got a ticket. <clears throat> and they, the cop said I was on the phone, and I was. Um, I was not texting, and I was not, you know, calling. Cha-ching! You guys know what that is when OfferUp goes on? I was like, oh! And I picked up my phone to see what OfferUp was telling me because I couldn't wait to see. Woo! The guy caught me going down the 60 freeway, about to exit to see towards the 7th, 7th Street. Okay? So anyway, so I thought, oh, man, the cop, he was so chill about it. He was so cool about it. I, I thought he was going to let me off. How does, that's how cool he was. He was so cool that he gave me the ticket. And so I got my ticket. And honestly, I thought I really did thought. I put it on my phone because I put everything on my phone so I could remember. And guess what? I forgot. Anyway, so that little tiny little mistake, so to speak, it's actually a mistake, it's a sin, and I need to change it, and I repented it, and Naomi knows that I'm changing it, and she's my accountability partner. So, um, <laughs> so now she becomes a person that texts if I'm driving. It's kind of cool. She texts what I tell her. She's my secretary. But anyway, so don't tell her I said that. Anyway, so, so you know, it, got, it grew and grew, and then, uh, and then I got this letter on the mail, and believe it or not, you're not going to believe me. That's the one letter I didn't open. You know why? Because it was unmarked. It had nothing on the outside. I said, ah, oh, it's okay. It's just a bunch of junk. I'm trying to excuse myself, as you can tell. And so anyway, so I missed my court date. And you're like, what did you do, pastor? I'm going to another church where a pastor doesn't meet his court dates. Go ahead. And so I went to, the, and so, you know, I, I skipped it. I was like, oh, shoot. When I finally opened the other letter that looked important, it said that my license had been suspended. $1,300. And I was like, ugh. Right. It hadn't been suspended. They were playing with me. I called and they're like, no, 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 not yet. You better go in and take care of it. So I set up the appointment right away. And I was like, $1,300. I set up like three, four alarms on my phone the day before, the day before, the day before, the day off in the morning. I was not going to miss my court date. And so I prayed in that morning, Lord, please show me favor. Please show me favor. Please give me a good judge. And if I could tell you this, you're not going to believe me. You're going to be like, nah. I showed up, the coolest freaking judge in the face of the planet after God himself. I'm telling you, this guy was so awesome, amazing. I'm telling you, I was like, God. It, he was so cool. This judge was legit. He was like, awesome. This, this guy was just so cool that I, I was the last one because I forgot my papers at the car that I had to show him. Because, by the way, when we cleaned out the car, the registration and the insurance wasn't there. And so I did have insurance and registration. I'm not that crazy. And so I didn't have it with me. So that climbed the ticket up. You're like, why do I need to be listening to this? I got my own problems. Okay, just bear with me for a second, okay? So I'm there at the court. And I didn't even have them. I had my book because I was reading in the court because you can't have your phone on. And so I was reading. I was like, oh, I forgot the papers. I'm done. But then the judge started going one after the other. Listen, there must have been about 70 to 75 cases there. Easy, easy. He gave us a 15 to 20-minute speech and said, look, you'll never get another opportunity like this. I'm a retired uh, judge. I've judged criminal cases, the worst cases. I've done business law. I've done all these things. You know, I've done it all. But I've decided to do traffic. And the only thing I do now is traffic for a reason. Because I want to I stop you from making these mistakes. There are all these awesome speeches that he had. And then he talked about like, how he was going to give us the best break. That he was going to cut down you know, all, our, all, our, all our, our costs and this and that. This dude comes up, right? And he's standing, he said, the only thing I need you to do, the only thing you need to do, is to quit trying to act like you didn't do it. I just need you to say, I am guilty, and I will help you the best I can. If you don't, you'll be at the mercy, literal words, at the mercy of another judge, and I don't know what that judge will do. And, the, and he said, and look, I'm telling you, I don't think there will be another judge like me. And I was like, I don't think so. I, I thought I was dreaming. I was like, is this some kind of heavenly message? You know, yes, Lord, you are the greatest judge of all, you know? And this guy, I'm not playing that this dude came up and like, uh, and he was owing like, you know, some ridiculous amount of money. I think it was like 20-something hundred. And the guy had like gone to jail and all these things. And he's like, well, you served your time. Just pay 25 bucks and leave. The girlfriend that was back there, as the guy was like, he didn't say, he was like, he grabbed his hat, he crumbled it, and was walking out. The girl was like, say thank you, say thank you. I'm not playing, like, say thank you. So the dude's like, 
uh, thank you, judge. And the judge is like, dude, it was like that. Like one after the other, like 750 it's okay, $100. Like for no reason. You know, some girl, like something happened with a dog. It was crazy, something. And then like she owed like, I don't know, close to four grand. Something crazy, 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 crazy. And the girl's like, yeah, my dog died. And he's like, your dog died? Don't pay anything. It's okay. Just leave. I'm not playing. I was like, dude. This is crazy. Like, this is too good. Like, I, I wish I, I should have turned my phone on. I'm not playing. I should have recorded it. I'm going to find I know that I'm going to find out the judge's name. I'm telling you. So you could, if he's still there, you could, like, ask for that judge or try to find the day where he's there. He's amazing. And so I was there, and I was just, like, the last one. And, you know, I was like, I kept on thinking in my mind, is your kindness, Lord, that leads me to repentance. Please, please help me change. If this doesn't change, nothing will ever change me. I'll always be on my phone. I'll probably crash one day. Does that make sense? Like, please help me change. That's what I was thinking. Because I was looking at this guy being so kind. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. This guy, listen, he was so amazing. So incredible. Would you believe me that out of 75 people, at least, at least a third, if not a half, declared themselves uh, not guilty. And I looked at these morons and I was like, I know. I know the camera didn't lie. Like, I know, I know you think, like, cops are racist, dog. <laughs> but going 140 miles an hour, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know, because I was there. I went 132 one day, and I couldn't excuse myself. And I got smacked with it all, too. Can I do traffic school? Get out of my courtroom. He literally said that. This is like 10 years ago or more, okay? Just so you know, it didn't happen again. Anyways, like, pastor has a real problem, you know? But I was there, and I looked at these people saying, uh, no guilty. And the judge would say, would say okay, let me, let me explain to you what I just said to you, okay? Uh, okay. And so he would tell them, he's like, no guilty. And I'm like, did you just see? And the guy next to me looked at me like, Really, we're like, and then I realized there was this one girl, this one girl, like, you know, she was interpreting, and the guy, he was one of the first ones to go, and he's like, no, no culpable, no, no soy culpable, and I was like, that sucks, man, that's got to be the interpreter's fault. It has to be, like, I blame the interpreter, you know, but then I realized the interpreter was really trying to help, and no, no, this, no, 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 es que no soy culpable. I was like, you're stupid in another language. Like, you could be stupid in English, in Spanish, in other, you can be dumb in any language. I looked and I was like, wow. I saw humanity flash before my eyes and I said, what in the world just happened? I'm not playing. It's like the Lord spoke to me seriously and he said, that's how you are so many times. I offer you the deal of a lifetime, yet you put yourself at the hands of who? Who? I'm the good judge. I'm trying to help you out. You deserve the worst. You know how much I paid? 165 bucks for a 1300 something dollar ticket. I was like, gladly will give you my 165. You know what? I wasn't mad about the guy that paid 25 or the lady whose dog died that didn't pay anything. I was just so happy. I received some mercy. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like, seriously, I was like, I, at the end, I was the last one because I went to the car, came back. I was like, Judge, thank you so much for your kindness. Like, seriously, you're awesome. For all the people that didn't, I don't know what, but thank you so much. She was like, ah, it's okay, don't worry about it. Just don't do it again. I was like, no, I won't. Thank you, you know? And I, I'm telling you that, like, it, it really shocked me, but I see your lives and my life, and I realize, man, how many times you keep trying to battle your point and say, well, well it, was, it was my family. You know, it was my friends, it's my upbringing, but I wasn't really like that, you know. And God's like, you know, I got you on video. Wow. The Bible says that there's a cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. I'm not prideful. Really? So I got a cloud of witnesses that actually love you that would say otherwise. You know what I mean? Like your own lawyer would probably testify against you. That's how bad it gets with us. We, we try to blame, I don't have enough time. And God's like, come on, I own time. Like, I am the creator of time. And you're telling me you don't have time for the one who gave it to you? Really? And we do all this dance with God. And well, but, God, but I had to. No, you don't. At the end of it, it's just you and your excuses. And the only thing that God is asking for you tonight and always is say, just declare yourself guilty already. Otherwise, you're binding my hands. So I'd love to pray for us today that we say, Lord, guilty as charged. I'm at your hand. I'm at your mercy. Would you please, good, amazing judge, would you judge me according to your kindness and to your love and to your mercy? I know I deserve the worst. I deserve death. I deserve hell. 
but I choose the fire of God. I choose you. Am I making sense? Today is the day where you say, Lord, I just want you. Would you help me to live a life of devotion, a life of commitment, a life that is consistent? Go to church. Go to cell group. But I was sick. I know. If, you, if it didn't stop you from going to work, it shouldn't stop you from going to church. It's just that simple. I'm telling you, even more would you say, Lord, I need some, you know, I need you. Today I'm feeling weak. I need you so much more today. Oh, I'm going to fight with my friend and he's going to church. Okay, maybe God will do some miracle there. Speak to both of you about your raunchy attitude and set you right and set you free from that stuff. Does that make sense? Oh, you're a pastor, but I still got questions. Perfect. Join the club. Let's go to the one who has answers. Amen? Like, but I don't know if my parents really do. Does your parents know how much weed you were smoking, how much drugs you were doing, how much, how much drinking you did, how you were bumping and grinding? Did your parents really know that? And did you ask them for permission? Because when it comes down to following Jesus, you become really obedient all of a sudden. That is the truth. And we have so many excuses, and God is like, just stop it. Just stop. Would you stop trying to run away from the good judge and say, okay, Lord, I'll put myself at your mercy. Why don't we finish? Stand up and pray. And um, I'm four minutes early. Georgie, I don't know if you're here. Is George here? I'm a champion. I'm so good. Really? George's not here? Excuses, man. No, no, no. I hope. I hope actually, I know. I know what it is. Um, <laughs> okay. No, no. It, it is. A, and George will be awesome there. Pray that God will use him there. Um, this is the... the, the the best thing I can tell you tonight is this, is that in spite of you, he is still amazing. In spite of me, he's still merciful and patient and kind. If you don't believe in him, he still believes in you. If you don't care about him, he loves you so much. If you think that sports are greater than him, if I was you, I'd have grabbed the ball you throw and smashed your face with it. Like that would have been me if I was that God. You know, if the car that you drive is more important, I would have Mashed you right with it, burned you to the ground, for real. That's just me. But God doesn't do that. God's so kind, and he's like, it's okay. I'll, I'll even give you gas so you can get to the place where you're going to, hopefully, you'll get to see something different. Does that make sense? Like, the Lord is so kind. I can't pay my phone. What do you mean God's alive? Are you kidding me? We have so many dumb mindsets. And the Lord's like, let me help you. Close your eyes for a second, please. This is one of the coolest things that I saw in the scripture, it's found in Luke 19, 41, 44. When he approached Jerusalem, meaning Jesus, he saw the city and wept over it. I put myself in Jerusalem's feet, by the way, in shoes. Saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace. But now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a, brick, a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in one every side and they will level you to the ground and your children with you and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation when I read this my heart began to tremble I said Lord I don't want to miss the time of your visitation I don't want to be at the mercy of the enemies. I don't want to be surrounded by my worst enemy, which is my flesh. I don't want to be encompassed by the enemy, by the devil, the world, or the flesh. Lord, I want to be with you. I don't want to miss my time of my visitation. Dear God, I want to burn for you. I want to burn for you, God, not away from you. But I pray that you help us change our culture and our mindset. God, that if there's someone here that has so many arguments against themselves becoming leaders, that you show them, God. You show them that they're so important. That you want to use them mightily and powerfully, God. That they're, they're people that you created, a peculiar people. In 2 Peter 2.9, it says that they're a special people, God. A peculiar people, God. Created for a great purpose, that they should announce the virtues of he who called them from darkness into light. Dear God, I thank you so much because you chose to use us in this world. 
to bring healing and blessings to so many others. I ask you, God, that you help us break out of prisons. Prisons in our minds, in our character, and in our hearts. God, I pray right now that you help people in this place to stop making excuses and start building a future for you, Lord. That they stop trying to waste their energy and trying to blame other people and say, Lord, how do I change? And trying to fault, find fault in leaders instead of becoming one. Dear God, I pray right now that you change the mindsets of people in this place. God, I pray that I would also be included in this prayer. God, I ask you, Lord, please help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God, to not destroy the atmosphere of this church, but rather to build it, God. I pray, Lord, that we will be so combustible, God, that your fire, your fire, God, would fall on this place. God, I pray that you set up that the flashpoint, God, in the place where it's so hot. It's such expectancy for you, God, that anything combustible will burn, God. I pray right now that you give us an eager expectation of what you will do, God, knowing that you're here, knowing that you're in our future, God, knowing that if you go with us, who or what can be against us? Here, God, I pray right now that you take us to a whole nother level. God, that you break down excuses, Lord, that you break down excuses, that you build our character, God. We want to have an image of you, God, not of the world, Lord. We belong to you, God. We give to you what belongs to you, Lord. God, I pray right now, please, please, God, please, may we look different, not in our clothing or in our clothes, God, or in our, or in our hair or in our faces, God, but in our spirit, in our soul, that people can tell the difference between those that are committed disciples of you and simple religious people, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you, you help us to be different. God, please make us different, Lord. God, help us. Thank you, God, so much for this vision that holds us accountable to a crazier, more committed life for you, God. Thank you, God, because we cannot stay like old wineskins and receive the new wine. God, I thank you for renewal and transformation because as I speak, it's happening right now, God. I thank you so much, God. I thank you so much, God. I pray right now, Lord, I pray right now that you change the atmosphere in people's houses, that you change the atmosphere in people's homes, God, that the cell groups, God, that had been fizzling out, that they would burn for you, God. I pray right now that anytime anybody walks in through these doors, that whether they agree or not, they can feel your fire, God, that they can have an experience with you, Holy Spirit. I thank you because you're present. I thank you because you're here, God. I thank you because you're present and you are the greatest gift. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, because out of this place, argument breakers will come forth, God. People that break arguments for other people that have chosen those instead of you, God. I pray, God, that you help us to become those argument breakers for so many people, God. That people that simply are trying to get a job, instead of that, they could look at our lives and say, oh, wait, so I don't live to work. Oh, God, I pray right now that they can see their lives being much, much, much more important to you than 13 bucks an hour or even 50 bucks an hour. Dear God, I pray right now that you show these people how you've chosen them as a secret weapon for the times. That you have no other options but your church. Your people who love you and care so much for you, Lord. I thank you for one last thing, God. I thank you because we don't have to do this alone. I thank you, God, because all the training that happens around us is not a program. It's a process and you're with us in it, God. I thank you because an encounter or destiny training or life class is not just a program the church put together. But it is your process in our lives trying to grow us and shape us and change us, God. I thank you, God, for the resources. I thank you for what you've done, God. I thank you so much, Lord. We thank you, God. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your name, God. We praise your name, God. Well, we praise your name, God. Why don't you give Jesus a round of applause? Come on. Before we leave, some of you are in this place. And you haven't given your life to Jesus. I would hate for you to go out of this place empty-hearted and empty-handed. If you're struggling in your faith, I pray that you receive the greatest gift of all. I mean this in the best 
light, I want you to come back here because there's good bread in this place. There's amazing people that love God. There's music that takes you and elevates you to the presence of God where you can worship freely. Man, there's genuine, broken, but man, people that love you and love God. I pray you come back here, but even if it's not this church, even if it's not this family, I pray that you get connected to someone who can help you and bless you and confront you and feed you and is able to expect more of you because they believe in you. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I don't care if it's a religion or not. I'm not asking you to be religious or to shift or change. You don't have to take your earrings off or, or not get the tat. It doesn't matter. That's so secondary. I'm telling you, it's Jesus always. Jesus, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. If you cannot respond to the greatest love of all, hold off on everything else in your life until you can. Please do other people a service and do yourself a service. Respond to God. Respond to the love of God. If this is you tonight and you want to give your life to Jesus, you're in an atmosphere of life right now, an atmosphere of faith. Opportunities like this don't always come. Take advantage of it. May this name never be forgotten for you. So I'm going to ask everyone, everyone to close their eyes, please. In the 12th of January of 2018, if you choose, you'll be born again. And the devil will try to blame you for things. And you will tell him, I don't know who you're talking about because I was born in January 12, 2018. The Bible says, the Bible says that those that are in Christ are a new creation. All things have passed. And lo and behold, all things here have been made new. That is what God says. He gives you not just a chance to be refurbished, but to be restored, renewed. A new opportunity. If this is you tonight and you want a new opportunity with God, can I tell you this? I didn't say if you want to give God an opportunity. I said if you want a new opportunity with God because he's the one that offers. We are creation. He is creator. Won't you please get it twisted. Don't get it wrong. God loves you, but he's not a fool. There will be a day where you won't have a chance. And I cannot preach to you another message. I do funerals left and right, and there's a huge difference between those that know Jesus and those who should have known him. Close your eyes. Let's all pray. If you want to give your life to Christ, if you repeat your prayer along with others that are willing to say it out loud, though they have said it before, and believe it with their heart so that you would feel comfortable. If you confess it out loud with your mouth, so many nasty things have come from your mouth. It's time that life begins to flow. Would you tell them, Jesus Christ... In this night, I realize that I need you. And I beg you to change my life, to forgive me, to help me to be the person that you created me to be. Forgive my sins. Thank you, Christ, for dying on the cross to pay for my debt. Good judge, good judge, I accept your gift. And I put myself at your mercy thank you for dying for me and thank you for resurrecting to give me a new life and an eternal life would you be my lord and would you be my savior help me to walk every day every day closer to you in your name i pray amen and amen give god a shout of praise god bless you guys god bless you